You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. I'm sure the king put a bounty on his head. But David knew exactly where to go. He went to the house of God. He went to the house of God. He sought his Lord. He sought after his God. I think that's wonderful. Many of us, when we're frustrated and stressed, we cut out Bible studies. We don't want to go. When it's the first and only place we should be. Because David honored the Lord. And I love this about David. I love this. The Lord was always David's priority. When you're frustrated with life and stressed out, where do you first turn? Do you turn to the world and feed the flesh? Or do you turn to Jesus and allow Him to fill you afresh with His Spirit? Today, Pastor Dave will be reminding you that times of refreshing only come from the presence of God. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21 as he begins his message, Exile to Blessings. chapter 21, David is no longer in the king's presence. He fled and he went to the town of Nob, which is located some three miles from Gibeah. Nob was a city of priests. And at that time, the tabernacle was located there because ever since Shiloh was forsaken, they moved the tabernacle from place to place. However, according to 1 Samuel 17, 1, the Ark of the Covenant remained at Kirjath Jerem. It remained there until David goes and gets it. So we come now to this chapter, and let's see what we can get out of it. Let's read 1 and 2. Verse 1 of 21. Now, David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David, and said to him, Why are you alone, and no one is with you? So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business, and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you, or what I have commanded you, and I have directed my young men to such and such a place. The first thing I see here is that David knew exactly where to go. David knew exactly where to go. He flees, and the first place he goes to the tabernacle, because the tabernacle represents what? Presence of God. The tabernacle represents the presence of God. And even though the ark was not there, even though the ark was not there, the tabernacle was still set up, and it was still where they went to meet with God. And we have said this time and time and time again from this podium. Mark has said it time and time and time again on Monday nights. When you're upset, when you're angry, when you've had a bad day, when you've argued with your wife or argued with your children or had a bad day at work or whatever, the very first thing you want to do is cut out Bible study. The one thing you need more than anything else, you cut it out. I don't want to go. David was being sought after to kill. The king wanted to kill him. The king wanted him dead. I'm sure the king put a bounty on his head. But David knew exactly where to go. He went to the house of God. He went to the house of God. He sought his Lord. He sought after his God. I think that's wonderful. Many of us, when we're frustrated and stressed, we cut out Bible studies. We don't want to go. 
when it's the first and only place we should be because David honored the Lord. And I love this about David. I love this. The Lord was always David's priority. The house of the Lord should be a place of refuge. It should be a place of rest, a place of peace, a place of encouragement, a place of peace and tranquility. When you come into the house of the Lord, you are with your brothers and sisters. It should be a place where you're built up, not torn down. It should be a place where you feel comfortable and are comforted. The house of the Lord, Jesus said, is a house of prayer. House of the Lord is a house of prayer. The house of the Lord should be a place where one can go to receive a word from the Lord. The Bible is taught here. God speaks to us here. Not that God can't speak to you wherever you are. That's true, he can. But something special when you gather in his name. There's something special when you gather with other believers in the name of the Lord. Something special happens. Something special happens in your heart as you listen, as you worship him, as you stand before him and declare your love for him through the music, as you fellowship one to another. Wow, I'm having this hard time. Let me pray with you, brother. Let me pray with you, sister. Things happen when you fellowship. And it's so important, but we cut it out. The house of the Lord should be a place where we go. We can fellowship and be encouraged by other believers. Not where we're put down. Not where we're hammered. Not where we're told how terrible we are, but how place where we go to find love. See, one thing I've learned, nobody has to tell me I'm a sinner. I know that all too well. I know that all too well. I don't have to be told by anybody that I'm a sinner. Because I know it. But I need to be encouraged. I need to be loved. I need to be to show the way of grace, the way to back to the Lord. David knew where to go. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. And so many times, we want all the things. We all want the things, whatever they are. We want those things, but we don't seek first the kingdom of God. And then we seek first the kingdom of God, and we forget, and his righteousness. We forget that. Well, I'm seeking God, but I'm not seeking his righteousness. Well, you might as well be on one of those bikes in a spin class that don't go anywhere. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness first, and all these things will be added. The Lord is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There's so many scriptures we can throw out there. That's what I mean. The word of God is encouraging. It, it builds us up. It, it keeps us moving and keeps us going forward. And without the word of God, without the Psalms, without me being able to read these, I'd be huddled up in a corner someplace, babbling idiot. I'd be put away long ago. But God is my strength. God is my peace. God is my comfort. God is my help in a time of trouble, in a time of woe, in a time of a storm. I don't care what you're going through. What you're going through. Whatever you're going through, you don't want to trade places with anybody else. What you're going through. I'm not minimizing anything that you might be going through either. Not, no way would I ever do that. We sang this beautiful song. In death, in life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Your love never fails. We sang that. Your love never fails. God never fails. When are we going to learn that? David knew that. David knew that. David was confident in God. God had told him, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm always going to be with you. And here's my spirit. Remember back in the Old Testament, God gave the spirit to whomever he wanted to. 
It was given out on a special needs basis. David had the Spirit of God dwelling in him, guiding him, and leading him. And I believe David was baptized in the Spirit, who knew what to do and how to do it. Don't miss out on God's righteousness. Don't miss out on seeking him first. Ahimelech, the priest, startled when he saw David. What are you doing here? See, number one, David was a member of the king's court, and he would never travel alone. He would never. He would always have an entourage. He would always have an entourage. But he probably looked tired. He was certainly weary. Maybe he was a little disheveled. He probably looked, maybe he'd been crying a lot. I'm sure David was extremely upset. I'm sure David was heartbroken. Number one, he'd been basically on the run for his life, and he had to leave his dearest friend, Jonathan, behind. I'm sure David was very, very upset. Why was the priest concerned, or was he? I don't know. Maybe the priest had heard of the king's displeasure with David. I don't know. There probably would be a hefty penalty for anyone who would harbor David as a fugitive. I mean, a king could do anything he wanted to do, right? So the priest says, why are you alone? Why are you alone? And I've just lifted David up on this great, giant, high pinnacle. I've just built him up, told you he has confidence in the Lord. I told you that he seeks the Lord and he trusts in the Lord. What did David do to the priest? He lied. He lied. Oh, Saul sent me here on business. And I'm not supposed to tell anybody what the business is. He lied. He lied. I'm on an undercover mission. I'm on the CIA. You know, in many ways, we can sympathize with David. And we probably would do the same thing. Many of us are probably in the same situation. We would probably do the exact same thing. But at the same time, if you go to chapter 22, in verse 22, you find out that David laments over this lie. He is heartily distraught and heartbroken about the lie that he tells. That shows conviction of the Holy Spirit. That shows true conviction and true contrite heart that God loves. God loves a contrite heart. God loves a heart that's toward him. God loves a heart that says, oh, I know I did that, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. God loves a heart like that. Yes, David lied, but man, it would come back to haunt him. An interesting aside here that I read from Warren Wiersbe when I was studying Warren Rearsby said this. Now, I know the king is not capitalized, but listen to what Wiersby said. If the king in 21.2 refers to the Lord Jehovah, then David wasn't lying, for he was on the Lord's business. <laughs> As many years to come. Well, you know, it doesn't say that, so we, we can't look at that. But that was an interesting aside. Let's look at 3 to 6. Now thereafter, what of you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is the holy bread, if the young men have least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly, women have been kept from us for about three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel of this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread but there, but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to be put hot bread in its place the day when it was taken away. David said that those who were with him were hungry. He asked for bread. Give us bread. This is interesting because there are many, many scholars. I like to throw these things out for you to think. Many, many scholars think that when David went, he was alone. Many, many scholars says when David went, he was alone. In verse 22, chapter 22, David gathers 400 men with him. 
His family and friends, they come to him. But here, many scholars think that he could be alone. And maybe he didn't want the priest to know that he was alone. So he said the men, talked about the men. We don't know. The only bread available is the holy bread. It's known as the show bread. And it was only supposed to be eaten by the priest. And you can find that in Leviticus 24, 5 through 9. Only eaten by the priest. The importance and meaning of the bread is found in its name. Literally, show bread means bread of faces. It is a bread associated with and eaten before the face of God. The great F.B. Meyer calls the show bread presence bread. You eat it in God's presence. You eat it before the God of our love. And as a guest of the Lord, you enjoy his hospitality. Because back then, when you ate with someone, you formed a bond with them. You formed a bond with them. Why did I say that? Because usually you had the sop. Whatever they were eating was called the sop. And it was a mixture of whatever, they, and they set it before you, and you passed the bread, and each person took a bread, and you dipped it in the sop, and you ate that. I don't know if there was a rule on double dipping back then, but that's how they became one with somebody. They all dipped in the same sop, and they all ate it. And that's what they did. That's what the culture did. It was sacred. The showbread had to be fresh had to be baked daily, and they would come in with the daily showbread, put it down, and remove the day-old bread and bring it back, and the priests could eat that. The priests could eat that. David said, give me the old showbread, which was taken before the Lord, in order to put the hot bread in place. And just like the fresh bread, God wants our fellowship to be fresh with him daily. Do you have a fresh awakening with God daily? Do you chew on the manna from heaven daily? You know, we've been talking a lot about this. That when you get up in the morning or sometime during the day, it doesn't always have to be morning, but I have found for me, if I don't do it in the morning, I don't do it. We get up and have fresh manna. You eat the word of God. You sit there and you enjoy God's word in the morning. There's something special about reading God's word in the morning. There's something special about that. But it needs to be fresh. Don't rely on yesterday's bread. Don't rely on yesterday's food. Yesterday's food got you through yesterday. You need fresh bread to get through today. You need fresh manna from heaven to get through each day. It helps you. It makes you strong. So meet with the Lord every day, whether through reading his word or prayer or fellowship, whatever. Meet with the Lord every day. Meet with him on a daily basis. Paul Paul said I had to discipline my body. Paul said, I had to discipline my body in order to do this. Because the first thing that's going to happen, I can tell you what happens in my house. I get up in the morning, and I go out to my dining room table, and I sit there with a cup of coffee, and as soon as I open that book, click, 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 here she comes. Not Beatrice, the dog. Here comes the dog. I want to go out. I want to go out. So I got to get up, let her out. Then she's out for five minutes, then she wants to come in. Right? And she, every, I'm trying to read the word, and she's like, you know. And then she comes, then Beatrice comes in. You need to be strong because you will always have things come against you anytime you open up the Word of God. Because Satan knows what the Word of God will do for you. He knows what the Word of God does in your heart. He knows that the Word of God will lift you up to a higher place and that he won't be able to get to you and be on you. Well, he'll try, but all these things come your way. All these things just start to come your way. Repel them, rebuke them, say no, and stay steadfast in the Word of God and let the Word of God minister to you. If you're eating a cereal, read between bites. Whatever. Whatever. You should do it in the morning. Now, we can't make it a rule. You're going to miss. I miss. There's sometimes I just get up and I can't I get, get there. I'm around. Things happen. And then we, we can't make it legalistic. 
Are you going to hell? You didn't read your Bible today. No, you know, you have all day. You have all day to read your word, all day. Seek a time that's good for you and get alone with God. Seek a time that's good for you, but make it fresh every day. God has probably done wonders and great things in your life today. But tomorrow's a new day. And you want new and greater things to be done tomorrow. Don't rely on what happens. Get something fresh from the Lord. The priest says that the young men have kept themselves from woman. The showbread was not to be treated casually. It is to be treated and only eaten by priests. It shall be for the sons of Aaron, and they shall eat it in the holy place, according to Leviticus 24.9. While the passage in Leviticus does not specifically say that only priests can eat it, it establishes the principle that must be regarded that it is to be eaten in a holy and sanctified manner. Just like when we read the word of God. We need to read it in a sanctified manner for what it is. It's the word of God. Treat it as the word of God. I know people... I know people who won't even put their Bibles on the floor. Oh, that's them. That's fine. That's what the Lord's showing you to do. That's fine. It's not, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it and say you can't do that. But I know people like that because they, they in their heart, they, they value the word of God that much. So Ahimelech, the priest, asked David for a basic level of ceremony cleanliness before he gave him the showbread. And in giving the showbread to David, Abimelech broke with priestly custom, but he didn't break with God's word. He highly understood that human need was more important than the Levitical observance, which brings me to Matthew 12, 1 to 8. In Matthew 12, 1 to 8, Jesus mentions this very thing. Jesus mentions this very thing, and he uses them to explain the matter. Jesus approved of what Abimelech did, and Jesus honored him by standing on Abimelech's same ground. The point that Abimelech was making, the point that Jesus was making through Abimelech, is a conversation that we had several Sundays ago. Human traditions are not as important as the Word of God. Human traditions are substandard to the Word of God. It's always the Word of God first. Always. That's what Jesus was railing to them about. If it had been an only priest can eat this bread, it would have been completely different. But it doesn't say that. God never said that. To put it only in seems logical, but that's adding to the word of God. What does it say in the Revelation? Don't add to or take away from the word of God. Don't do it. You can't elevate our extension or application of the words God to the same level as God's words itself. Don't do it. So we come to verses 7 through 9. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen of the belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in, the, in that, take it. For there is no other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. Who else should have Goliath's sword but David? I always wondered what David did with Goliath's sword after he killed the Philistine. Well, here it was in this place. This Doeg guy, this servant of King Saul, was there looking at something. They're not really sure why he was there. But if they look at the word chief, the chief translated as the word mighty. 
but it also can be used for a violent or obstinate man. And you're going to see in chapter 22 that Doeg is extremely violent and he's an extremely obstinate man because his name literally means fearful. He was like one of Saul's henchmen. He was like one of Saul's go get him and kill him guy. Not really sure why he was there. Some think he was fulfilling a requirement because he was the chief of the herdsmen. And since he was not a child of the covenant, he was not born a child of Israel. He was an Edomite. Many think that he was there trying to fulfill part of his conversion. In other words, maybe he was converting to Judaism, and that's why he was there. It doesn't say, so we can only make conjecture of it. We can't make it dogma. His presence disturbs David to the point that David looks for a weapon. Now, the, this Abimelech must be scratching his head saying, well, you came all this way, you don't have any weapons. Now he's really getting curious. This must have been a scary time for David. He must have been on the run, no weapons, not knowing who he could trust as far as human concern, always looking out for those who might hurt him or kill him, or even those who might report him to the king. It's a hard thing. Paranoia comes in. We can understand why David wanted a weapon and why he asked. But it's also sad that David continued to lie about being on the king's business. Oh, I left in a haste and I'm on the king's business, so I didn't bring my weapons. David is desperately trying to avoid the king's business right now because the king's business is to kill him. Considering what the king's business was, David told the truth. The king requires haste. Yes, he did. He left in first. One commentator said this. Listen to this. It is painful to the last degree to see one, David, whose faith towered to such a lofty height in the encounter with Goliath, coming down from that noble elevation to find him resorting for self-protection to the lies and artifices of an imposter. David was once the highest of highs when he killed Goliath. And now down here he's foraging and scaring for his life. And he's lying. He's making up stories. It's sad. But we can learn a lot from David. We can learn a lot from David. David goes before the Lord constantly and repents of his sin. David was happy to have a good weapon like the sword of Goliath. He said, there's none like it. And he held his sword. I can imagine he looked at it must have been a powerful, powerful weapon. We read back in um, chapter 7 how strong it was and how much. I think it weighed like 15 pounds or something. It was really a very, very heavy, heavy weapon. I wonder if he, when he held it up, if he remembered that day he killed Goliath. I wonder if he held it up if he remembered that. When he killed Goliath, he didn't do it with lies and half-truth. How did he kill Goliath? He trusted in God. He trusted in God, remember? He trusted in God. He went out and meet Goliath. He trusted in God and God in all sorts of circumstances. You know, you can have the sword of Goliath and you can have the sword that killed him, but it would be better to have the faith that killed him. Our weapons aren't carnal. We don't have carnal weapons. We don't have swords and guns and those kind of things. Our weapons are spiritual. Our weapons are spiritual. Is David now trusting in the Philippine swords better than the shepherd's tools? There's nothing wrong with Goliath's sword. The Lord used it, but only in the context of the Lord using it in radical faith. Where was David's faith at this time? And let me make a point here. This shows you just how much could happen to one when you're under duress. When you are under severe duress, your faith gets extremely tempted. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. 
Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.